Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to the podcast Combo Courses, where we're going to talk about open talk with cybersecurity. If you're interested in getting in this field, then um, I'm your man because I'm going to tell you inside scoop. I've been doing this for since. What? <laughs> I'm screwing up, man. All right. Uh, we're going to have to cancel Instagram. Boom, gone. Okay, anyway, back to our regularly scheduled program. So um, I do this every week. We talk about cybersecurity. We talk about GRC. And usually it's open topics, but sometimes I'll just go ahead and teach specific things in GRC. And I'm going to be talking for about 30 minutes. So any questions you have, if you're a student and you you don't know which uh, which curriculum to do, if you want advice on on trying to get in this field, if you are already an IT person and trying to get in GRC. If you want to know specific things about NIST 800, uh, about uh, C CSF, NIST CSF, any of that stuff, I do that stuff so I can talk to you about it. This one's going to be short, so let's get into this. All right, let me see if I have any comments from uh, YouTube. And my apologies, something's going on with my uh, connection over here. I'm not sure what's going on. And I don't have time to reboot this thing. So we're just going to steamroll right into this. Um, I get a lot of questions from students who are trying to get into cybersecurity. And um, what I normally tell them is if you're a student, you want to get into this, don't wait until you get your degree. Don't wait until you have the diploma in your hand. Start immediately. That's my advice to you. Start. I mean, what do I mean by that? If there's a if there's a program in your school where you can actually just be a part of their help desk or help them image systems or anything like that, then I would start immediately to get because what you want to get while you're a student is experience because that's what they're really looking for. The degree is great. It's a great help, especially if you're trying to level up the money. You know, you got to get paid a little bit more if you have a degree, but to get in the door, they're really looking for experience. And when you really level up is with experience is how it's done. All right. I got a couple questions on TikTok. Like I said, I'm not going to be on here very long, guys. I'm going to let you get back to your Christmas. I'm not going to hold you. Um, are you enjoying GRC? I'm tempted to leave L3 MDR analyst position to transition uh, for job stability. Um you know, GRC is is not fun. Um, G, when we say GRC, we're talking about the documentation side of the house. We're talking about the maybe scanning risk. The risk part of it is scanning and doing assessments, and um, it's in the G the G portion of it is the governance. That's the management side. So it's not like the fun part in in IT and cybersecurity. The one that everybody talks about is hacking and like you know ethical hacking stuff like pen testing or forensics you know that's kind of like the hollywood popularized version of cybersecurity but there's a back end to cybersecurity that's not often talked about and that's grc that's the paperwork side that's making sure the government the government or the organization you work with is doing what they're supposed to do in accordance to laws and policies that's a lot of documentation that's a lot of coordination you got to talk to a whole bunch of people in your organization that's the kind of it's so it's not it's not glamorous. It's not fun. It's a job. That said, it's very stable because they really need people to do this work. Um, I There was a time in my career I'd done about 10 or 15 years in. And I just got tired of it. I was just bored. I didn't want to. I just didn't want to do it. And it was a time when I got out of the military and I didn't want to have nothing to do with GRC work because that's what I was doing in the military. And I, I hated it. Um, I wanted to put. I wanted to fix routers. I wanted to put up firewalls. I wanted to do stuff like that, right? And I was much younger. And I got out and I was doing like a Unix admin doing, I don't know, we were working for the Army doing some all kinds of stuff. They had us fixing firewalls and I got my wish. It didn't pay very good. It was super competitive. Um, I did. It was fun, but it just it didn't pay good, right? And, I, and meanwhile, I have a family. I just bought a house and stuff. The minute that I got out of that field and started working in GRC work again, my 
money shot up to, I don't know, it must have been 45%. <laughs> I got, it was a huge boost. And it was just boring work. It was an office. I just go to an office. I didn't have to stay extra hours to fix some stupid Unix box. I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't on call randomly. I wasn't, they weren't flying me overseas to Korea and then to Germany and to Hawaii or whatever. You know, it wasn't adventurous, but it was a job and it paid really good and it was super stable. And it still is like, it's just, it's in the background. It's not glamorous. It, you just do your work. You you come in, you do your work, you're done, but they're going to pay the shit out of you. And, and it's pretty stable because they always need these jobs and nobody, no IT guys want to do it because it's just... You know, shit's a hassle. <laughs> so is it, is it, am I enjoying it? I'm enjoying the stability. I'm enjoying um, not having to worry about where I'm going to eat, you know, whether I'm going to be able to keep my job. I'm, I'm enjoying, uh, even if they did let me go at this company, I could just go somewhere else because there's so many people looking for this kind of work. So I'm enjoying the stability of it and take care of my family and stuff. And it's easy for me. Like, it's just like, I don't have to think about it anymore. So that's another aspect for me personally, because I've been doing it for so long. So am I enjoying it overall? Yes, I am. The work itself, boring. Um, let me see. I got another question on TikTok. By the time people start joining me on, on Facebook and YouTube, I'm probably going to be logging out of this thing. I'm only going to be able to do about 30, 40 minutes today. Um, are you enjoying... Uh, are you open to connecting on LinkedIn? Sounds pretty solid, man. Yeah, yeah, I am. So if you are looking for me on LinkedIn, go to LinkedIn and type in Bruce, C-I-S-S-P-R-M-F, and you'll find me. So, um, and I'll, I usually just connect with everybody, to be honest with you. Uh, let me see here. Had another question or comment on TikTok that I'm going through. Is the money good? The money is good. So um, they're expecting in there. I think the reason why is because if you're doing GRC work, they usually expect you to have some sort of background in IT already. Like you, you like I, I say this a lot, you can get into IT work with no experience, um, but you can't get in without any knowledge, meaning you have to know the common body of knowledge. So GRC is kind of a specialized part of IT. As a matter of fact, it's a specialization of cybersecurity. Um, it's, it's, it's not generalized. It's very specific. That said, as a, as a specialist, you know, coming in this field, specializing in one thing, you know, you're going to make six figures easy. Depending on, it does depend on your position. Like if you came in, if you're coming in brand new from IT, you're a help desk guy, you have no experience doing GRC work and you're a junior coming in, like maybe you won't make, and it depends also also what company you work for. Cause some companies just don't pay that kind of money to engineers and technical people. And then it also depends on what state you're in. So I just want to qualify like what I'm saying as far as the six figures, but on average, if you compare GRC work to your average, say help desk job, it makes way more than that. If you compare it to your average, network engineer it makes about the same or more than a network engineer and network engineers are doing some hard some hard stuff sometimes um programmers it really i can't really speak on programming i'm not a programmer but it makes upwards of what a programmer your average programmer will make so um it makes it makes good money you're talking about six figures on average maybe eighty thousand if on the low end um and if you're in the east coast yeah you're, you're going to make really good money. Uh, let me see if I have any other comments. I'm really trying to get in on my... Something's really going on with my freaking browser, man. But I'm going to make an attempt to answer questions from YouTube or from Facebook. Courtesy of Larry. Thank you, sir. Cheers to Larry. Um, let me see. I got some questions here. Just so you guys know, for all the people who contact me, I'm not ignoring you. I'm I'm extremely busy. That's what's going on. I'm extremely busy. You guys want to know 
what I think, where I think you should focus your time in 2024. If you're like trying to figure out like which way to go or what to do, what to, I would highly suggest cybersecurity or cloud. Right now, both those things need people like crazy, and we're we're having a prop we're having a problem getting people to do these kinds of skills. So they're paying really good for these levels of skills, for those types of skills. So if you're looking, I would, it's a good idea to focus on that, especially if you're already an IT person and you, you're like, man, what should I specialize in on? Yeah, cybersecurity and cloud, maybe even a combination of the two. Go cloud and then specialize in cloud security, even better. AWS is the one I would do. The reason why is because they have most of the market share right now, meaning they have most of the market. They're, Am, Amazon is dominant in cloud, in the cloud space. They have something like 30%. And then next in line will probably be like Google. And then after that, shoot, I don't even, I don't even know who's after that. Oracle? I don't, I don't even know who's after that. The top two, though, for, oh, shit, I'm thinking Azure, Azure, Microsoft, of course. Um, so it's it's going to be, let me let me correct my, what I just said. Yeah, Azure, somebody correct me. <laughs> Thank you. So it's, it's uh, Amazon, AWS, and Azure. And actually, those two are competing heavily right now. I mean, they're really competing right now. I'm, I'm really surprised. Like, Microsoft has really stepped up their game. They've, they've been very competitive in several spaces, including artificial intelligence and cloud. I mean, they're leaning super heavy into both those technologies, and they're not they're not messing around at all. I mean, they bought OpenAI. Brilliant move. <laughs> really brilliant move on their part. Um, I am bear with me. I'm trying to pull up some comments from Facebook. That I got. And if you guys have any questions, comments, whatever, I'll read them here. We can have a conversation about it. That's what this whole thing is all about. Ace B says, do you have a minimum spec for work a workstation for those learning cybersecurity? Do I have a minimum specifications for a workstation for those learning cybersecurity? One thing you could do... Um, is check out something called Stigs. There's a couple things you could try out because the specifications, meaning the baseline security, I'm, I imagine that's what you mean. The what what we're talking about is the configuration of a computer. And I think what ASB is trying to say is, if if you were learning cybersecurity, like what what kinds of features could you put on your workstation to help you to learn? Is that I'm assuming that's kind of the direction you're kind of going in. If that's your question, if, if I'm um, putting this question together right, if I'm answering you correctly, there's a couple places you can go. Number one would be STIGS. Check out something called DISA STIGS. Go to Google, type in S-T-I-G-D-O-D. S-T-I-G space D-O-D. What it is is a breakdown of all the hardware and software, mostly software configurations that they expect on a federal system. And it'll it'll it's very comprehensive, man. It goes into every every aspect of a workstation, a server, depends on what kind of operating system you have. If you have Windows 10, Windows 11 versus a Windows 19 box, it's going to break down everything that you should turn on or off on your system to secure it for a federal environment. Obviously, if you're a mom and pop or if you're on your personal computer, you're not going to want to enable all that shit because it's it's not going to be fun to deal with that. Uh, but you but you do want to get some idea of what kinds of security features to put on your computer. Another thing you can do if, if Stigs is too much for you, like if it's just and it is too much, man, to be honest with you, it's a lot. Uh, it's super hardcore. Uh, the other thing you could check out is something called CIS space V8. Um, and they have a tool called, damn it, man, I'm drawing a blank right now. And I got no, CIS V8 has a tool that you can use. It does kind of the same thing. It looks at the baseline of your computer 
and determines what security features you should put on your system. And it, I believe what it does is it scans through the features of all the security features of your computer. And then it looks at, okay, the, it goes all the way down even to like the, uh, the H key local keys and says, okay, you should have this on, this on. And what it's doing is look, it's using best security practices because there's, there's a list of best security practices that most organizations and people should use. Obviously, not everything is applicable to everyone, but this gives you some idea of what kinds of things you should implement in the software, uh, for the software and for the hardware. And even for, they even have stuff for uh, for your um, Wi-Fi and the network environment. The Stigs have this, and so does the CIS um, benchmark. Shit, man, what's wrong with me? I'm getting old, man. <laughs> it's called CIS Benchmark. So those two things do kind of like a scan of your computer, and then they'll say, okay, here's what you should have if you had if you were trying to have a secure environment. So that that's something really cool to play with, especially if you're new to this. And it also will give you exposures if you if you do that and mess around with it on your personal computer. It'll give you direct exposure to these tools that are being used in the federal government and in the private sector. So that's one thing you can do. Um, another thing you can do if you're not trying to apply tools or whatever to your computer is go check out the CIS space V3 V8 um, list of security controls. There's a basic list of security controls. Can I download CIS uh, V8 for free? Yes, tons of stuff for free. Um, it's it's like a They've got ton, lots of stuff that you can download. Now, if you go to my website, I have all of it. It's just all right there. So go to combocourses.net. All I did was grab it from their site. You can grab it <laughs> from my site, from their site, from the official site. But you can also just go go to Google, type in CIS V8 control, uh, controls, and then find – they'll have you, like, log in and get take your – your um you know your email and your username or whatever but it's worth it because then they're going to send you like updates to the benchmark because they update that often they'll tell you hey we've got a new control like we've tweaked this or that hey download our new it's really good it's all free it's a great uh community of people who are constantly updating um, the best security practices so cisv8 is what you want to check out for best security practices the other one would be, well, there's tons of them, but I'll just tell you a couple. Another one would be the NIST CSF, NIST Cybersecurity Framework. If you're not familiar with that, you definitely want to check that out. If you're trying to do, get into GRC, these are the these are a couple of GRC places that you want to check out. Um, that one, just read through it, download some of the material that they have. And if you're kind of like just trying to dip in your toe in the water, Go to combocourses.net, download some of my free stuff. It's all there. I just grab the stuff from their official site for my free stuff. I grab it from their site and put it together, and I do like a little video telling you, hey, well, this is what this is. Here's I'm navigating the spreadsheet and everything like that So for like two minutes. So that's a couple places. You can also grab my book. Like I have a book where I broke down in planning, just like I'm talking to you right now. That's how I talk in the book. And, and saying, hey, here's where you go if you want this or that. If you are a cybersecurity person, here's the things you really need to know. I cut away all the stuff you don't really need. Um, and so uh, there's several resources you can do. And um, uh, most of them are free, to be honest with you. If you go to Google, type uh, YouTube rather, and you type in uh, NIST, uh, if NIST CSF, they'll have tons of breakdowns for you. NIST 800, that's a whole nother framework. Check that one out too. These are a couple of different frameworks. They have a they have a security control family, and they're all kind of what you'll learn is they're all kind of saying the same thing. There's some of them go into greater detail. Like the NIST um, 800 goes into way more detail on controls because they're dealing with federal systems that are are handling you know military information, intelligence, space stuff like they're doing all kinds of things so they have to have a very 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 robust uh framework to cover all these things that see something like the cis v8 won't cover right so um let me see if i have any i'm still trying to get into my system and it's not i have to reboot so it's not looking like i'm gonna be able to get in there and, and read uh 
I'm going to have to do it on my own time. I, I'd rather do it on these lives, to be honest with you, to get it out of the way. <laughs> but I'm not, um, it's going really slow. We got the reboot. Damn. Oh, well. Any tips on an, uh, for an MBA wanting to transition into cybersecurity? Certainly in, uh, currently in school for cybersecurity. An MBA. Um, my, my advice to anyone in college, um, whatever degree you have, if you're trying to get into IT and cybersecurity, is start now. Start immediately. Don't wait till you get a degree in your hand. That degree is not... It's not a magic wand. It's not instantly get you a job. You know what is a magic wand? Experience. <laughs> Experience is a magic wand. So what I'm trying to tell you to do is while you're in school, while you're getting your security plus or whatever you're doing, your master's degree, your associates, whatever you're doing, start now while you're in school. And there's several ways to do it. Don't, don't. Don't have excuses. Just do it. Right. So there, a couple off the top of my head, go to the school, um, go to the staff and ask them if they have any programs. A lot of times colleges will have they're kind of tucked in the way they're really bad at marketing the stuff that they have. So you got to go and ask them. They'll Sometimes they'll have working student programs and you're not really trying to get paid at that point. They will pay you. It's not going to be a lot, but you're trying to get experience, right? And you're going to take that experience. You're going to put that on your in your resume and your profile on LinkedIn. That's another thing. You need to start building your LinkedIn right now, right now. You, Bruce, I don't have any experience. What am, I, what am I going to put on there? What am I going to? You're in school. Like you literally have taken courses on IT business management systems or some shit, right? You can. There's so <laughs> there's things that you know that the average person in the general population do not know. And you need to put that on your resume because they're looking for you. Now, if you're if you're curious of what they're looking for, you can look at my resume. You can download my resume for free right now. This resume that I use to get offers for dozens and dozens of jobs, by the way. It works, man. It might, it's not the best. It doesn't look pretty, but it's an ATS style resume that freaking works. And what I want you to do is look at how I've worded the breakdown of the of the um, bullet statements that I have for my experience and how I laid it out and everything. Just get an idea, but you can also go to LinkedIn and get an idea of other people's resume. So while you're in school, get experience, start working on your resume right now, put your profile out there on LinkedIn right now on dice.com right now, and then continuously update it. Another thing you can do in school is start applying for um, apprenticeships, and internships because you it's another advantage you have being in school is that you and are you like well Bruce I only have an MBA I don't have it doesn't matter like apply for it like it doesn't hurt to apply the worst thing you can say is no right just uh, look into apprenticeships and internships and see if you can get your foot in the door doing that another thing let's say you can't get the apprenticeships they don't have a working student program there's no there's no extracurricular programs we can work to from DuPont while you're becoming a, you know, you they don't have whatever school you're at. They don't have any of that stuff. So what you can also do is start setting up labs in your house, start, start doing projects on your own. Hell, you can start an, a, your own business and start hooking up people's Wi-Fi. What that requires is that you have that knowledge first. Like you're going to have to come in and know how to do that. Right. So now the first thing is you got to get the you've got to get the knowledge. Right. So. That takes you messing around with labs, cracking open a book, you know, that kind of thing. You're, you're trying to be an engineer and a technical person. You're not going to get away from you can't just watch videos. Right. And that's cool. Like to start. And I, mean, I watch videos, too, like videos on how to fix this or fix that. Or when I want to go deeper and they walk you through, blah, blah, blah. At some point, as a technical person, at some point. You're going to have to crack open a book. You're an engineer. You're about to be an engineer. You're going down a path of being a technical person. You got to crack open a book. I'm reading all the time in this field because I have to read new frameworks. They have a new security control family. I have to, I don't know, like a policy came down and I have to verify that it's still right. I've got to go through implementation statements. I've got to do a plan of action and milestone. I got to read this new procedure for the organization. They have 
I'm constantly reading. I have to do data, read through data sheets. I've got to figure, okay, we've got this new firewall. Like, does this fit the criteria of our organization? Like, you, you, you're you going to have to crack open some, open some books. So at some point, when you, the deeper you go into this, you're going to have to start reading, invest in yourself, like buy some books and read. I'm not saying, oh, buy my book. No, even though I am a published author, by the way, and if you want to buy my books, that's great. I really appreciate it. Go to Amazon.com right now and type in Bruce Brown, cybersecurity NIST 800, and I will be very, you know, at leave a little comment or whatever. Give me five stars. That's cool. I would love that. But I'm not endorsing my books. I mean, you don't have to buy my books. But you, <laughs> you can buy whatever books you want. If you're trying to become a CISSP, if you're trying to do Security Plus, whatever you're trying to do, do that. You know, read. Does, you're going to have to read. All right. Let me see. I got some stuff here from Facebook. And I apologize. I'm, I'm not able to get on my Facebook while I'm doing this live. And I'm looking at myself in here. It's like all like I have to reboot my system because something's going on with the software. Anyway. Ryan says, exactly, Bruce. He says, MBA should be looking for an ISO. Ooh, this is a really good comment. Thanks, Ryan. This is great, man. Let me post this real quick. He said that uh, MBA should be looking in the ISO, ISSM, and SCCM work. Oh, man. Okay. That's what. Okay. This is great. Let me go back to this original question. He's right. So somebody asked me. Any tips for an MBA wanting to transition into cybersecurity currently in school for cybersecurity? Okay. And Ryan brought up MBAs should be looking for an ISO, an ISSM, or SCCM, SCA work. Okay. Let me break down what he's saying because he's absolutely right. So as an MBA, there's a couple of areas that lends itself to some called governance, right? Governance is the G in the GRC. GRC is how we manage, how we secure our organization and how we make sure that the organization is doing the, the processes and procedures for security. Whenever you hear about these giant hacks and people losing all of these, every password or all this information, all personal identifiable information, it's usually because they're not doing GRC. They don't have proper governance. They don't have proper risk management. They don't have proper compliance. Right. It's one of those things. So governance is management of the organization. Does the does the organization even know what business they are doing? Do they know their essential their business essential processes and, and how to protect them? And are there are they managing security processes at the top of the food chain, like at the top, like at the CIO, CISO level? Are they doing it from that? That's governance. Right. So you being an MBA. You have some idea of how organizations are structured, how they're supposed to work, and kind of like the C-level management level exec, that area that you that is where your frame of mind has been in. And so what Ryan is saying is you, you should look into becoming an ISO or an ISSM or SEA. Let me break those down because that's just a bunch of acronyms. <laughs> so an ISO is an information system security officer. It's GRC work. That's what I currently do. I work for a government organization and I walk the organization through how we can secure our or our systems. And the way I do that is I say, OK, I meet with the system engineers. I meet with the technical people who actually implement the controls and implement the patches and things like that. And I say, hey, here's I'm looking at all the vulnerabilities. I'm saying, here's let's prioritize this one right here. Let's get this one done. When can we get it done? That's what I do as an ISO. I'm kind of like managing the technical process until completion. Now, I do have to write. Sometimes I have to write um, system security plans and I have to write. Now, I got to know all this security stuff. So it's really good that you're you're solidifying your knowledge with cybersecurity uh, by going to school for cyber. That's great. That's really good. But the MBA itself is, is awesome because it's going to back up the G in the GRC, the governance portion portion of the GRC. And then he talks about ISSM. ISSM is an information system security manager. These acronyms, that's what it's called in the federal government, but they call it something different, different roles in other organizations. Like the healthcare industry doesn't use ISSM or ISS, ISSO usually. They use some other name. They might use IT security manager or something else. 
but it's kind of the same stuff. Like, is an ISSM, an information system security manager, you're, man you're managing the information systems. You're helping to manage the security more specifically. And a lot of times an information security manager, what they're doing is they're managing the security people below them and making sure that the processes, they have all of the tools and resources they need to do their job. That's what an information system security manager does. And then he also mentions SCA. So in SCA, they do assessments. They're, they're basically the R in the GRC process. The R is risk and determining the risk of the organization and then managing the risk of the organization. And part of that process of managing the risk is assessors, auditors. They have different names for it, but all they're doing is they come in sometimes as a third party and comes in and say, okay, we've scanned all your systems. Here's the results of it. And determine that you're at this level or this level and here's where you need to go. Sometimes I'll even give you more advice and say, here's where you need to go. Here's your plan, your path forward or whatever. It depends on what kind of assessment assessors they are. Sometimes they just come in and scan you and say, everything's bad. And then they have a nice day. We're out of here. <laughs> but yeah, so GRC is actually really, really good for an MBA's transition because you have a great understanding of the, how the organization is supposed to work. And the business aspect of it, because that's where managers' mindsets are. They're thinking about how can we give our people the resources that they need to do their job properly. And as an MBA, that's that was kind of your whole focus, right? So the G and the GRC, you've already have it nailed down. And you're going to very quickly pick up on the G and the GRC, which is governance. And that's what uh, Ryan's talking about. Thanks a lot for that input, Ryan. I really appreciate that. I hope I, I spoke well on that one. Um, I'm just speaking from my perspective here. <laughs> but um, really appreciate that comment. Um, let me see here. Somebody said, I got some other comments here. Let me go to TikTok real quick. How do you get good at writing policies and procedures as an ISO? Um, that's a pretty good. I've never had that question before. Um, I would say reading, reading them, reading a couple good ones and reading, reading bad ones and reading good ones. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how you get good at it. Um, because there's not a lot of creativity in it. It's not like creative writing. It's not even like, uh, whenever I write a book, there's a, there's a lot of thought process where I have to like have an outline and I've, I've got to build an outline and I got to figure out, okay, I've talked about this. How can I lead to get to the person to learn this next part? Policy writing is different. Like basically it's like you, <laughs> nine times out of 10, when you go somewhere, the organization already has something written. And even if they don't, you can just grab something off the internet and get some idea of what it's supposed to look like. Then it's a matter of tailoring what they have, if you grabbed it from somewhere else, to tailoring this generic piece of policy to what they have and writing it as clear as possible. I will give you a couple tips, though. You got to figure out what who your audience is. Because if you're writing to very technical people, you, you're not, you don't want to go super high level. Um, if you're, you want to go like in the weeds, like you want to explain like every, you know, but usually policies are written for, it's written for everyone. It's not, it's not specifically written for the upper level, uh, CISOs, you know, the C-level execs. It's not specifically written for managers. It's not specifically written for technical people. You're writing it in a way that everybody can understand it. And it's, it's broad enough to where you can fit other things in there. And so the usually the first part, the executive summary is for your executives, is for your C-level exec. So you're summarizing everything real quick. And then when you break down what is every all the other stuff, it's for everyone. So the way that I was able to get decent at writing policies is reading policies at different organizations. And actually, they're online. You can go... You see tons of free policies, federal from the state, different states from different countries, for, from private organizations. They'll just put their policy on the Internet because they don't normally put like any kind of sensitive information on there. They're usually very general. 
And so they don't have no problem putting their policy out there. You can see real policies in real time right now that are actively being used on the Internet. And so you can read through policies to get an idea of how other people's policies are. The best way is to read the policies within the organization you're in because it's eye opening. You start to see the organization is not doing a lot of things that they say. The policy is supposed to establish what they're doing. And sometimes they'll write a policy. <laughs> sometimes, a lot of times, actually, they'll just write some shit and put it out there and say, oh, everybody do this. And then you'll notice, as a, especially as an IT or uh, cybersecurity person, you'll be like, hey, we're not. Why are they saying they were supposed to do two-factor authentication in, in the policy, but we're, we've got these other 15 systems here. They're not doing that. They're doing just password, username, password. And then why, why are they saying that everybody's supposed to get training, but then they let these other guys come in and without training and just log right in? Like, what's going on? What's happening here? You start to see stuff like that. It's eye-opening. So the, be- the way to get better at policy writing is to actually read policies, good policies, bad policies. You start to see how they how they work and then how they work in the organization. Uh, let me see. Do you have recommendations on cybersecurity books for beginners? Yeah, there's a those for dummy books are pretty good. Um, Navi, happy holidays. Hey man, how you doing? Um, I would recommend those for dummy like if you're absolutely brand new to this and you you want to see if you and it depends actually it depends okay so if you are already an it person like if you already are a help desk person um and you have exposure to about one two years worth of it then probably you don't need to do you you could skip the for dummies books Um, because nine times out of ten, you already done cybersecurity before you used to know that you're doing it. At this point, you probably want to start specializing in something. If you're a help desk person, you want to start specializing. Um, you 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 part you don't want you don't need for dummies books like you you've been there done that. So you're gonna you're gonna be reading through it and you're like oh okay you know. At this point, you probably want to do something like if you're trying to go into cloud, go into AWS. Um, AWS start reading to that and try to get specialized in cloud security. Or if you want to do GRC stuff like I do, policy type work, start reading policy, start reading the policy type stuff. That's one thing. You could read the for dummies books, but it, it'll be kind of a guide to where to go, but it'll be so entry level that it will you'll know to a lot of it. Like you'll probably know 68, 70% of it. So what I'm telling you to do is just like if you already an IT professional, just like focus on what you want to do. If it's pen testing, for example, you there's so many sources for pen testers. Books wise, the Kali Linux books are really good. Um, you can look check those out. If you want an intro introduction to pen testing, probably check out um, all the Kali Linux offensive security stuff is really good. And I know people are going to uh, some hackers are going to roll in their grave when I say this, but the C, the CEH uh, material is pretty good. It's a good introduction to, to ethical hacking. Depends on what kind of cybersecurity you want to go, because cybersecurity is a very broad umbrella. If you're trying to do policy stuff, the best way is to start reading the, reading the, um, the standards. NIST CSF is one. PCI DSS is another if you're in real retail sector. HIPAA compliance is another one if you're in the uh, in the healthcare sector. And then um, NIST CSF is good for any sector. It's really, really good for any sector. NIST 800 is federal government. That's federal state government. U.S. state federal government. International, ISO 27002, ISO 27001. So it depends on where you're trying to go. There's books for every aspect of cybersecurity. Um, and there's resources, online resources and stuff, programs that you can downloadables, all kinds of stuff for every single aspect of cybersecurity. Hope that helps. Let me see. Got some other comments, questions. What do what do we search to find security po- uh, these policies? Um, there's different kinds of policies. So what I normally will search 
if you're on Google, go to Google, Google and then go to uh, type in, let's say you were looking for an ISO 27001 policy. You would type in ISO 27001policy.pdf. The, the .pdf is because a lot of policies are in PDF form. Now, if you are looking for a NIST 800 policy, you, you type in NIST 800 space policy PDF. You could do, uh, and sometimes I'll look for a specific policy. Like if I wanted to look for a access control policy, you type in NIST 800. That's the type of standard you want the policy to be written based on. Or you can even do FISMA. You can do FISMA or you could do like, so you get the idea. You're trying to frame it. There's different kinds of policies. There's some policies for HIPAA. There's some policies that are HIPAA compliant. There's some policies that are D, uh, eight, uh, PCI DSS compliant. There's some policies that are based off of ISO 27001. And you name it, COBIT, you name it. So first, choose what type of standard you want. Put that in the first part, right? Let's say it was NIST 800. NIST 800 is the first part. Then you put what kind of policy? Maybe you just want a generic policy. Let's say it was a an access control policy, right? So put access control policy, whatever policy you want, you put that in the next block. And then put PDF, dot PDF. You can also find some dot doc if you wanted to like download their stuff and like pilfer it, like steal their shit and put in your policy. You could do that too and copy and paste it into your shit. You could do that. And but if you're just looking for policies to read, you just put .pdf. You can even put file type, all one word, file type, colon, PDF. That works too. That's like a little special Google search. And it'll come up with a whole bunch of poli real policies. There'll be some sample ones, but for the most part, policies, they'll put them on, out there for free. You'll see a lot of like university ones that are very useful. And some universities, I'm surprised. They actually made theirs based off of NIST 800, which I don't I'm not sure why they would do that. But there's a couple out there for that. And there's some hospital ones and some and they're so generic that they're not really exposing. They're saying, oh, yeah, yay, verily, we we uh, conduct access controls by doing multi-factor authentication. Right. They'll say they'll say that in a paragraph. That's all they're saying. They're not saying we use uh windows 19 and it's here's our ip address and it's in this you know it's it's in the dmz you know they're not saying that kind of shit you know <laughs> it's very generic <laughs> so no nobody can like take their stuff and be like oh i'm gonna hack their stuff based off of what i'm what i see in this policy no it's very generic it's very very generic when it's on the internet somebody said no sound do i have no sound seems like people are hearing me Um, I have a trifecta with social work background advice for resume and finding my niche. Um, social work sounds like if, if that's all you have, um, then you sounds like you're starting from scratch. Um, so advice on, or if you're starting from scratch and I don't, I don't have enough information to go off of. So I'm just kind of guessing. But if you start from absolute scratch, um, you you really just want to start learning the material, information technology. That's where you want to start. Just start learning information technology. Start watching videos. Start for free because you might not want to do this. So my advice to anybody who's absolutely starting from absolute scratch and you're coming from social work or you're coming, you're a teacher, you don't, you're not tech savvy, you don't build your own computers, you're not. You just want you see how stable this is, how IT guys are eating, how cybersecurity people are eating. They're traveling, they're making a hundred thousand a year. You you don't even have anybody in your family making that kind of money. So the first thing you want to start doing is look, go on Google, and type look for help help desk people, help desk people who talk about their job, and see if you even want to do this because it's not for everybody. And then if you're interested, you're like, oh, OK, this doesn't sound bad. I, I can do this. Um, then start looking into IT, the actual IT common body of knowledge. Like stay with the free videos. Go on, on lookout free, uh, for free videos and look up. Um, oh, man, what would you look up? You could look up 
top five things I need to know as an IT professional, stuff like that, right? Just just for free, just kind of Google around, watch like 30 minute videos on people talk, breaking down things that you need to know and then kind of go deeper and deeper. If you're still with it after watching hours and hours of these kinds of videos for free, then you want to start investing. And you can go a couple different ways. You can go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon and start buying for dummies books to know more about IT. But what I would recommend you do is go to straight to CompTIA and get the A plus, the A plus, CompTIA A plus and start studying the curriculum that they have. Whether or not you take this, the cert is up to you. It is a marketable cert, but I'm trying to get you to know the knowledge first. If you're starting from scratch, then that's where you want to start. It's not going to be easy for somebody starting from scratch. There's a lot of IT guys are like, CompTIA A plus is bullshit. You, that's, child's play but listen guys not everybody has your skill set not everybody's building computers not everybody start programming at age 10 like not everybody is you you know what i'm saying like some people are out here at working for a living doing other shit so i'm talking to them i'm saying like if you know nothing start from zero like start watching videos for free then go into CompTIA a plus if you're still interested and then I would say take the certification. If you could pass it, then you know the knowledge. And then from from there, you might want to start looking for jobs, local, local work. Maybe even start your own business fixing other people's computers. That you put that on your resume. And then you're building out your resume. Take your resume, put your resume on LinkedIn, on dice.com, on monster.com. Easier said than done, right? All this, everything I just said, I condensed four years of work or two, three years of work into, you know, a few sentences, <laughs> but that's what it's going to take if you're starting off from scratch. Now, if you're an IT professional already and you're trying to level up, you're trying to improve your resume, shit, man, you know, go straight to comp, uh, comp courses.net, download some of my free material and check that out. And I've got, you could download my own personal resume. My own personal resume is going to show you exactly what you need the kinds of things that you need to put on your resume to get into grc type work if you're trying to specialize in that that's that's my specialty but you can also go to linkedin and steal other people's resumes to get some ideas what keywords i'm not telling you to lie in your resume i'm just telling you you need to get an idea of what kinds of things that the employers are looking for that's what i'm trying to say uh let me see bryson says um, hey, Bruce, I sent you a message about three weeks ago and what I could do to get into my first entry level cybersecurity role and wanted to say thanks for some of the resources that you linked me specifically for uh, your ATS style resume and game that you've given making myself more marketable. Awesome, man. That's great. Great to hear. I'd love to hear that. Um, starting my first position in in the new in the new year as a sock analyst holy shit wow man congrats bryson man i'm so glad it doesn't work for everyone you know like sometimes people contact me and um and i'll they'll take my resources and for whatever reason it doesn't you know it doesn't work for a hundred percent of people but for most people it does work so I'm, I'm really glad to hear that what bryson's talking about is i've got a bunch of free resources online with a free downloadable resume. Um, it's ATS style resume and I'm walking you through what to do. I've got some uh, other free stuff that kind of, this really the same stuff I'm talking about now, but it just kind of takes its time to break down each thing I'm saying and, you know, showing you screenshots and things like that. So um, it's, it's a lot more robust than what I'm saying right now. And it's mostly free. Some of it is charged because I, I spent some work doing it. So let me see. Tyler says, if they added G GUI automation to Cali, it would make it easier for people. I can't get used to the CMD command line interface. Oh, you got to, you got to, Tyler. I mean, that's the name of the game. The deeper you go into pen testing, the more you have to know the command line. You know, the masters all are in the command line. The mastery for pen testing is really in command line prompts. It's not in the GUI interfaces because the GUIs can only take you so far and there's only so many people writing those GUIs. So that said, at some point, at some point, you'll be able to easily master CMD because of 
you guessed it, AI. So AI is about to destroy the command line interface. <laughs> it's, about to, it's about to get crazy up in the command line interface. Now's the time to know command line interface because once G, once once generative AI gets a hold of command line interface, and it's already happening actually, there's a pen test, there's a penetration GRC, uh, a penetration GPT that somebody already created. There's hacking, hacking based AI chatbots that's already out there. Not chatbots, generative AI, which is different than a chatbot. So yeah, it's already happening. So the command line interface is you've got to know it. Like you have to get used to it. If you want to really level up technically from a technical aspect, the command line is where mastery happens for sure. Bar none, period. That's all there is to it. Right now, I mean, one day in my channel, like I said, generative AI is going to change all that probably. Larry, thank you so much for that, man. Thanks. And also thanks for this liquid death. This is courtesy of my man, Larry, who's been funding this podcast. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. He says, happy holidays, Bruce. Any tip on obtaining an easy side hustle for someone in IT cyber full time? Um, also, what is a good area of IT cyber to get into that is more policy based and less technical? OK, so there's two questions here. The first question is an obtain an easy side hustle. Most of my free time is side hustles, to be honest with you. I don't really have free time. I have just straight up side hustles. And um, I've tried probably if you followed me all, all these years on this channel or my other channel. You've seen me try and fail at probably a couple dozen different enterprises. <laughs> and I could tell you a couple that work and a couple that, I mean, most don't work. <laughs> um, side hustles, it kind of depends on what you want to do. I could tell you the ones that worked. Um, a couple that worked for me um, that stand out that are not super risky that worked um not super risky i'll tell you about the risky ones after this um real estate the dopest most effective most in, important hack side hustle you can do is real estate period um airbnbs Yeah. If if you have you can get into it, it's the dopest, most it's incredible. Uh it's incredible. <laughs> That's one uh side hustle. Easy though, it's probably not super easy. It's, it's not super easy, so probably doesn't qualify. It's the most effective one that I've that I've tried. I'm sure there's easy better ones, but that's out of all the ones I've done, it's the it's the best. Um, easy side hustles. Um, easy. All the ones that work aren't easy. All the ones that have really worked didn't start, don't start off as easy, to be honest with you. Um, because of like a course, I have a course and that's a side hustle and, but it wasn't easy in the beginning because I had to learn how to do it. And I'm still learning, to be honest with you. You know, I'm still trying to make myself better or go in there and sometimes I just don't have time to do it and stuff. But that's, I wouldn't say it's also not, I wouldn't say it was easy to begin with. But once you get it started, it's easy. Um, my favorite side hustle is, is books. My favorite side hustle by far is books. And if you're interested in that and what I do and how I do it, go to something called Royalty Hero. This, this is not for everybody. It's not cheap, but it's my favorite side hustle because I, I happen to be pretty good at writing. Um, so that's been, been going really good for me. Another side hustle. Some side hustles I've done, I tried stock trading and it works 
It's not for me. And um, I would say it has a huge learning curve, too. So I would not necessarily call it easy. All the ones that I've done that worked have not been easy. And that was one of them. It works. It just it wasn't it's not what I want to do. It's a little too risky for me. Another one that works. But it's, it has a high learning curve and I don't recommend it for everyone. And I don't even want to I kind of half ass don't even want to mention it on here is cryptocurrency because um, I don't think it's for everybody. And it can, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't do the research, you can really lose some money with cryptocurrency. Um, let me see. So it talked about stock trading. If I would say if you're going to do stock trading, probably better to do like long term or swing trades, not day trading. I don't I really don't think day trading is for everybody. It's just too risky. And then um, cryptocurrency. Mm, I don't man, I don't know if I can really recommend it to everybody. It's not for most people, I would say, but I have made money off of it. But my favorite is is definitely books, uh, real estate, specifically Airbnb. Um, those are my two favorite that really worked. And then courses are in that order. So other things, I'm trying to think of anything that was actually really easy for a side hustle. Oh, another really good one would probably be taking a, a part-time job. I've had couple times, man, I got offered these part-time jobs that people allow me to just work like on the weekend or at night or something and just like write them a policy and they're paying me like $80 an hour or some shit. That's fire. <laughs> That's a side hustle. Um, not my favorite. I don't, I really don't like doing too much. Like I just kind of want to do my nine to five and be done. But when you start doing like, it's called Overworked? No, it's not, it's not the word. Overemployed. It's called overemployment, right? It's a thing. Like Google it. So overemployment is is definitely a lucrative side hustle. You can make three hundred, four hundred thousand a year. I could probably right now be making half a meal doing doing overemployment. But I like time. I like my time. <laughs> I mean, probably not half a meal. I probably probably could pull down if I was really serious about it. I could probably pull about three. I could probably pull about three. Yeah, probably about three. If I was really serious about it. But that's that's another big side hustle if you are a IT professional. Easy depends. It could be easy. One of the ones I had was was actually easy. I, I had a part time job, and they just want me to write some policy stuff for them. And then it lasted three months or whatever. And then I was done. So so that, that, that's I hope that that helps that there's a couple things you can do uh, as an IT professional. Um, and he says, next question was, what is a good area of IT and cyber to get into that is more policy based and less technical? So what you want to do if you're trying to do policy based work. I found a lot of success looking up specific types of policies. Like if you go to LinkedIn, and I wish I could show you, but my stuff's all freezing and stuff. But if you follow along with what I'm saying, you go to LinkedIn right now, you like you type in you type in like NIST policy or something like that. And then you search for jobs. There's gonna be some jobs for NIST policy writers. And then you could do the same thing with PCI DSS policy. You could do the same thing with Sarbanes-Oxley, SOX policy. You could do the same thing with, I don't know, names, name a, name a industry and then put a policy behind it. <laughs> HIPAA, HIPAA policy. If you're in the healthcare industry, all of those guys are looking for policy type writers. Um, you can also look for GRC. A lot of those tend to be like policy type positions policy like where you not necessarily writing the policies but sometimes you're you are matching the security controls with policies or you might be putting the policy in some kind of new 
content management system that they have, or you might have you might have to evaluate the policy to see if it was good and then make it better. There's just all kinds of things. Another one's policy officer. That's another role that you could type into LinkedIn and Dyson Monster and see what jobs are out there. And make sure you're you cast a wide net, meaning don't just look in your area, look all over the world from. And because they might have remote positions where you could work for Canada and they have a there, maybe they have a they need a policy officer to do something for NIST CSF or something like that. So um, those are a couple of areas that you could focus on specific types of policies. And, and another one, let me see, there's some tools too. There's a couple of tools that if you know these tools, it's going to be a lot of documentation type GRC work. One of them is called EMAS. If you know that one, that's going to be like a lot of documentation type GRC work. Uh, another one is, uh, oh man, help me out. Exacta, that's another one. Another one's called CSAM, C-S-A-M. Another one's called uh, Archer GRC. Sounds it's spelled just like it sounds. Archer GRC. Um, and there's tons of other tools too. But though all of these are GRC type tools, that if you know them, if you put on your resume, people are going to chase you down and say, "Hey, you know Emas? Could you come here and do our Emas?" And, e and what you're going to be doing is looking at their policy, uploading some of their policies and some of their and some of their artifacts into this content management system and that's mostly going to be policy stuff so i hope that helps thanks a lot um larry for that thanks for everybody who's been donating i really appreciate you it really does help um helps me to fuel this that's why i'm talking here right before christmas merry christmas by the way because larry everybody thank larry <laughs> thank you so much sir um, let me see. I'm going to ask a couple more questions. Ever considered teaching? I heard a lot of technical professors moonlighting as teachers. Um, actually I have taught before. So I had a full-time job while I was teaching. I was, I worked for a small company and what they did was they had me teach, um, something called DiaCap. It's basically risk management for, it's GRC stuff. And they taught and they had me going first write the program and then I was going out to all their sites teaching all of their all of their people. And so I did that full time. Are you ready? Okay, okay. Give me give me about give me let me finish this one topic and then I'm done. Okay. All right. I promise I wouldn't do like a two hour live today. Okay, so um anyway, so where was I? Teaching. Yeah. So I was teaching full time for the small company who had like a little contract and they had me like going around and so that was actually fun i actually liked it i didn't like to travel but it was actually cool the people were really cool and i need to catch up with her again she was my boss man she was exceptionally brilliant person she was a she was a genius she was an exceptional human being man i can't even see <laughs> he was amazing um black woman um, one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met in my life. She hired, she was my boss and she hired me and had me going to these different places. I've yet to, I haven't met many people like her. Um, she's like those hidden figures, ladies that were helped NASA fly some shit to the moon. Like that was her. She was a hidden figures of, of it. <laughs> she was fucking brilliant. So anyway, um, yeah, I taught for a while and then also, I did some free teaching back when I was with the ISSA. There's a local ISSA chapter here and I would I would help like teach the security plus stuff, but that was free. And then uh damn, what else did I do? Besides that, it's just combo courses like where I'm giving out, you know, I'm teaching that stuff. It's I there was a couple colleges, but the big colleges required me to have a master's degree and I don't have one. And I did teach at a college once. I did Security Plus there. I was teaching Security Plus. So every now and then something comes up, but not very often. Um, so that is that's kind of a side hustle too. Are there any? Okay, I think this is gonna be my last question because I got I really gotta go. I really I made a promise and I gotta keep it. 
<laughs> um, so Anthony says, are there any simulation tools for cybersecurity? Yeah, there's a couple. So especially if you're into pen testing. So get a pencil, get a pen, get a get your notepad ready. So for pen testing, there's a couple simulation tools. There's one called TriHack Me. There's one called Hack the Box. Um, Kali Linux Offensive Security has a bunch of stuff that you can use that are not simulation tools, but a bunch of hack actual hacking tools. Like it, actually, actually Kali Linux. Um, other does they have like Capture the Flag and stuff like that, where you're you have to hack something. That's in hack. Try hack me and hack the box. Um, network engineering and network security have a lot of simulation type stuff you can do. One's called GNS3, GNS3, and you can download that on your computer. I don't know if it's free anymore. It's been a while, but that's that's a simulation. Um, one, my favorite simulation simulation system that you can use for cybersecurity is not necessarily for cybersecurity, but you can use it for that. Is something called uh, VMware. VMware is not free. It is not cheap. But if you can get that VMware workstation, I download it on my computer and then I'll have like different operating systems on there. And then I'll use like Kali Linux to hack the other operating systems and servers. And I'll, I'll make a virtual environment and then it'll allow me like put little firewalls in there and stuff. Like you could put host based firewalls on there just, just to see how the packets, what how it's going to stop the packets when you send to see the behavior of the system and how how like something like a, uh, a host based firewall will work. It gives you a really good understanding, a visual representation of what's going on. And while you're setting all that up, you actually learn virtualization because you have to you have to learn virtual to even use it. Um, so, the, yeah, there's a couple of tools out there. I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch that these guys like there's some people here watching me that know way more than I do about virtualization tools and stuff. So I think that's it, guys. I got to go be with the family for some time. Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you all your hard work and uh, watching all my videos and give me this, uh, this liquid death here. I appreciate it. And coffee fun. I think I'm going to sell like a little coffee fun that I put like in the corner so I can continue to fuel this, but thanks a lot. Merry Christmas guys. Thank you so much. Everybody who's been watching. Thank you for your questions. Your questions are what really drives this and inspires me to actually answer them in this video form format. And then the future, I'm hoping that I can give way more content no promises. I do have a full-time job. I have a full-time business and stuff. You know, I'm a family man, so I I can't always do these, but I really actually like to do this. It's just that I got to like manage my time properly. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you so much, Larry. Thanks everybody at TikTok. Thanks everybody on YouTube and Facebook. Um, I'm going to try to do one of these between now and, and New Year's. So I'm going to keep trying to, you know, make content and not let be hindered by the holiday forces but happy holidays merry christmas happy kwanzaa happy hanukkah happy uh eid barak uh happy new year i'll talk to you guys later if i could turn this thing off <laughs>